You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, first things first, uh, everybody, you know, the well wishes, you know, the reaching out. Um, yeah, it was cool. You know, uh, obviously 500 episodes down, uh, you know, 501, you know, on the way to the thousand here. Um, does mean a lot. Uh, appreciate everybody, you know, that's along for the ride here. Um, one thing, for some of you iTunes listeners, something came, you know, where you get, shows weren't showing up. Um, if you're following the show and you see season two, season two, season two, season two, look for more available episodes. That's no longer part of the way the show is loaded. Um, there's no more seasons. Uh, you know, new show goes up every day, and for mo- you know, most of the time, guys, it goes up every day. Uh, you know, between 8 p.m. Eastern, 9 p.m. Eastern. So. Uh, if you're having an issue with that, and I was able to uh, rectify that for one listener today, uh, however you were doing that, don't do that anymore. Go buy just available shows or whatever, and you'll be able to find you know all the newest stuff as it comes out. But again, uh, thanks for everybody for the support. Obviously, uh, you know it was fun, and even still, when Pete and I can just sit around and bust each other's chops and talk about some good times. So, 500 fell on the perfect day with no camp being yesterday. Things back in session today, training camp number six, um, some Browns news, uh, all of this stuff we're going to get to. Uh, Pete Smith, Jeff Lloyd, your local experts on the biggest stories for your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. Brought to you tonight by the good folks at Manscaping. Manscaping, Manscaped, who is the number one men's below-the-belt grooming. You may have seen them on Shark Tank. Manscaping offers precision-engineered tools for the family jewels. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code LOCKED, capital L, on, capital O, at manscaped.com. That's 20% at manscaped.com with the promo code LOCKED ON, cap on the first letter of each word. We're going to get rocking and rolling. Um, before we get to some camp things, and obviously there's a popular name out here, and who knows what the hell the Redskins are doing. Pete, this one stuns me. Look, you know, we're not going to get into the Hall of Fame here on this because it's such a weird thing when some of these guys get to a you know point of where it's been too long. But, Pete, I, I didn't know this, and look, this is where you come in handy, the listeners, uh, you know, obviously the followers, you guys come in handy. You know, I remember Clay Matthews very well. You know, I remember that era. Um, the Hall of Fame, which we're not going to do today, but the fact, Pete, that he's not a part of, you know, the Browns ring of honor, for me, that's an absolute head-scratcher. I don't know if maybe part of it was because maybe, you know, after the move and then the comeback, you know, the rebirth of the franchise, but it seems really, really strange that he's not at least there. Yeah, I think I think you hit on uh, on the reasoning. Um, you know, when his career ended, uh, you know, basically at the time of the move, then they then they come back, and you know they're not worried about you know retiring numbers and stuff. They're trying to get organized, and then their Al Lerner passes away. Randy Lerner, you know, wasn't really into it, uh, and then you ultimately get to the Haslam's taking over, and I think. Uh, and I think part of this is you didn't want some of these guys, this, this ring of honor stuff to feel like a news dump on a bad season. Like, I think the timing of this is partly because the Browns feel pretty good about themselves and, you know, they're trying to do all these things to really get everybody excited. So autogram statue that's, you know, going to be there unveiled. Uh, and then this it, it all feels like it's it's trying to sort of all build to to sort of a uh, crescendo when the season starts 
about you know a, a period of Browns football that everybody feels good about. It. Like I, I, I think the worst thing that could have happened. And, you know, there's no bad time to go into the Ring of Honor if you're a player, but I, I don't think you know y- you wanted to have uh, him go into the Ring of Honor, say like uh, you know after a three and thirteen season or after where they go one and fifteen, and then it's sort of a for- forgettable thing. I, I think the hope is that they are doing this as part of a series of events that people find memorable, that people are excited about the, the, you know, at the same time, you know, you have the uh, generations thing where you have fathers talking to sons who, you know, fathers grew up with when the Browns were good, able to sort of relay that to the kids who have basically experienced this dead period of football. And then now they've got all these things to be excited about and this becomes sort of, you know, that one of those first football memory type things or one of those lasting football memory type things uh, that you get with this type of move. And, and, and I think, you know, and this is completely random and the timing is the timing just by virtue of when he retired. But I think that's ultimately what Joe Thomas's Hall of Fame enshrinement is going to be. You know, that's five years from when he retired regardless. But this this one, they have a little more control over. And I think that's the reason behind it. Yeah, I think the timing aspect where you you brought up was which is perfect, and I actually have that here in my notes. And it's maybe it's time for you know some that maybe have been or been away too long, you know, the fans, and you know maybe they just said, you know what, I'm going to sit at home on Sunday. I'm just going to watch football. And part of the advantage of that is prime time, which will be week three, the Sunday night game when this is going to go down. Obviously, the Rams are coming to town, and, and so you know, and obviously you know the roots to USC. So it, it, it makes for a perfect storyline on that night. But, you know, I mean, and when you talk about the Matthews family as far as, you know, football and the legacy, I mean, it's, you know, they're not exactly quarterbacks. But, you know, if you're going to talk about these guys as players, I mean, we were just talking about this before. These guys played for freaking ever. Um, you know, they're, they're a well-established football family. You know, maybe they don't get the love they deserve because they're not quarterbacks, essentially. But, uh, yeah, this is just an opportunity to hit on something good and bring something more, uh, you know, t- to the table while everybody's feeling good. And hopefully this is, can be something you can start working in a little bit more and more with each year. Hopefully you're going to build on, you know, 7, 8, and 1 and the, all the promise that is now in the 2019 season. Uh, but for me, it, it just seemed weird because, you know, um, you know, whether it was Banks on the other side and Hanford Dixon and Minifield, you know, that Browns defense of that era, they were some really good players. It just seemed, I mean, you know, I, I obviously I followed the Hall of Fame stuff and, you know, I, I've tried to help his daughter out, you know, retweeting teats and stuff like that. But I had no idea it wasn't this, but I, I guess some of it was the fact that it was just kind of ignored and backburnered because it was like, you know, hey, here's Clay Matthews. Is everybody going to get excited? We're losing 27 nothing. All right, on to the third quarter. Let's go. So it does make some sense from that aspect of it. Pete, uh, you know, whether it's true or it's not, who knows? Uh, but I don't think Trent Williams has any intention of taking another slap for the Was- snap for the Washington Redskins. Yeah, they could just be the ultimate jerks and say, fine, you won't play. You never know the way things are done down in Washington. Um, and, look, you know, you know, once you get the additions they've made, everyone's like, well, when's it going to stop? Will it ever stop? Well, let's go get Trent Williams. Pete, Trent Williams. Um, so, right. So, Trent Williams, uh, is his, his argument is, look, there was this thing on his head 
that uh, was misdiagnosed that, that uh, either was thought to be or was malignant um, was was cancer or something along those lines. And, you know, his thing is he just doesn't trust the medical people in Washington and refuses to play for them as a result. Washington Redskins standpoint is this is all play for more money. Um, I am personally not in favor of trading for Trent Williams. I don't, he's an all pro. Uh, he, he could very well, uh, end up in Canton. I don't trust his health. I don't like the price that will inevitably be paid. Um, I, I, my concern, and I think part of this is, is you, you don't just add Trent Williams. Like you don't just give up a draft pick. The Browns have to make, you know, or give up the Browns have to give up some money with this. And I, I think that ultimately becomes, you know, if you're trading for Trent Williams, you're, you're giving up Greg Robinson. Um, it's not as if you're saying, well, we can trade for Trent Williams and then we can put R- Greg Robinson at right tackle or whatever. and just be great. I mean, Trent Williams makes a sizable amount of money, um, you know, and, and they'll have a ton of money. I, I like, I, you theoretically could do it, but I don't think I'd want to pay the price tag that would come with just trading for him. He is a, a legit stud, still able to get it done. And it's just a question of, is he going to stay healthy for the whole year? Um, if he can, then you're going to be thrilled with what he does. I, I, again, I continue to be irrationally confident in Greg Williams. I don't think the Browns are unwilling to, uh, broach the subject of Trent Williams, but I think my sense is they like Greg Williams maybe more than some people do, um, and, and that isn't uh, to me that isn't a bad thing. I'm more far more concerned about uh, right tackle than I am left tackle. And again, I could be dead wrong on that, but I feel better about Greg Robinson than I do Chris Hubbard right now. I, I again, I, there are bigger issues I have with this team. I I think. Trent Williams is more a name than he is a solution. And again, he's great. It's uh, I, I don't know if that necessarily fixes the situation the way fans would like it to, but I, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying if it, if it were to happen, I'd be unhappy with the move. I'd just be very curious about, about what it comes down to, because like theoretically, if you're giving up like a high pick, that could be the pick you'd be using to pick your left tackle of the future next year, which I think is the more prudent play is a cost cutting move, or I should say a price control move and young talent, which I think is more prudent than adding another older veteran. And and again, you'll have him and and maybe he's there for the, for a Super Bowl run, but I, I don't know. I, I'm not, again, I'm not against it, but I don't, I don't, I, I'm more comf- I'm comfortable with what they have in terms of uh, Greg Robinson. I guess I just don't think he's the panacea for all things offensive line. If you're going to look at the offensive line the way it is currently constructed, um, and you want to rank it where your confidence level is, um, you know whether it's one two, uh, you know obviously it's Joel. You know, Joel's the best offensive lineman on the team. J.C. Shredder, you have zero doubts about, so he's two. Uh, the way it is currently constructed, Craig Robinson's three. Um, I guess Hubbard-Lamb combo is four, 
and you know here it is six practices in and you're rotating three guys at the right guard position uh, are you so concerned about left tackle it's not going to change the fact that we still don't know who the right guard of this football team is it's still not going to change the fact that chris hubbard is an undersized right tackle those things aren't going to change um and for pete obviously um he did see the charles bentley yesterday so maybe that's where that greg robinson uh still and no but it's greg right now isn't the issue and we've talked about it. even if greg robinson comes back and is the 2018 version of greg robinson that's absolutely fine it's totally okay that's it's, it's not going to be a problem it's something you can work with um it, you still have two bigger question marks on the offensive line right now uh center and left you're okay with you know what you got uh, and you think you're pretty confident greg may take a step better to and maybe get back to the run blocker that he was which is what you're hoping for um you know he gets to work with miles every day here last year at this time he was all over the offensive line taking reps now right now he is the left tackle of this team so you know and trent does come with a heavy contract and we've talked about this you know when you bring in an Odell, when you have a Jarvis Landry, uh, you know, and you have all of these guys who are first-round picks, there's a lot of money that's got to go out of pocket or is currently already going out of pocket. And you, you, all you people with the, the salary cap is a myth. Just watch how the next two off seasons unfold here in Cleveland, because you want to call it a myth, but you know, shit gets real and it gets real quick. So there is, you know, that thought process. Um, you, know, you know, again, saying no, but you know, do you want Trent Williams here? Which means no Randall, no Joe Schobert. Um, and look, you know, Trent's had his injury history. One of the reasons he is moving, wants to move on from Washington, isn't even a football injury. So I mean, there's a lot there. I mean, it would be an extensive physical process. Um, you know, and then there's the draft compensation. And you know, we've talked about this. Would you like a left tackle who's going to make, you know, three, four? five mil over the next you know i mean what he's going to make because if you think about it the pick's going to be within the 20s where you can still get a serviceable serviceable left tackle and drafting him in the 20s or whatever even if you move up a tiny bit and you take him in the teens it's still going to be a hell of a lot cheaper pete than what trent williams is making right uh, it, again it, some of this depends on where the browns feel they are i mean are, do they feel like they are championship right then certainly see what going to like to perhaps um, concerned on the offensive line is the reason they didn't make a move. More and make a reason they feel that's the best. Uh, that's the best path forward. Uh, to me, I think confident in his ability to evaluate the offensive line. If he feels like the talent is in the next class, which I believe it will be at offensive tackle, I think he's more inclined to bet on himself in that scenario. But uh, we'll see. I again. I, I don't think – let's put it this way. I don't think Trent Williams is going to get moved. I think the Redskins are basically going to uh, tell him to stick it. Uh, I, I don't think they are willing to give anyone on that roster basically the ability to, uh, you know, basically, compl- in their view, complain their way out of town, uh, especially in this case. You know, Trent Williams is arguably the best football player on the entire team – uh, I don't think they're going to w- willingly let him go uh, out of fear of what message that sends the rest of the roster. And and that that front office uh, with Bruce Allen is a dumpster fire. Daniel Snyder is a terrible owner. And I think, you know, there's no 
there's no worse to get in terms of how fans feel about them. So there's not, it's not like if they, you know, basically call the bluff or hold out or whatever, uh, that they're going to get any worse. So they may use that sort of to their advantage and, and make sure that if he's going to play, it's going to be for the Redskins because ultimately, you know, they have a quarterback uh, in Dwayne Haskins that they'd like to be successful. And, you know, Donald Penn isn't the answer there. So if they can make it work with Trent Williams or, or, or somehow find a way to, to get him on the field to sort of get them to help Dwayne Haskins forward, I expect they're going to do that. And that's, you know, that may not be, that may not be a bad path to go. I mean, if, if, if that's their thought process, of we'll, we're going to do anything to make sure that, that Haskins is successful, then, you know, it's hard for them to fault them on that front. And we had talked about this. You know, the Washington Redskins put together a solid draft class. And look, whether it's Dwayne Haskins, um, you know, you're going to look at Darius Geis almost like he's a member of this draft class. You know, whether it's McLaren, whether it is Harmon, um, you got Josh Sweat in here. Um, you have a potential, you know, with the rookie, who knows, you know, how fast, you know, Haskins is going to see the field. Um, so keeping Trent's probably a good idea. And it's maybe going to be one of these where it's going to be kind of a, a, a we're sorry, here's a little bit more money. And look, Donald Penn may be serviceable. He may be a piece you could use on that offensive line, which isn't terrible. I mean, if you're really trying to use Eric Flowers in any capacity, just stop freaking kidding yourselves. Um, but you exponentially become a worse football team by moving on from Trent Williams, especially when you got young skill guys that you're trying to break in. You want the confidence of having a solid left tackle. So your Washington, look, I mean, you know, I hate to say it, Dan, uh, you know, Mr. Schneider, cut the damn check. Uh, you know, if, if your franchise did the dude wrong, there's one way to fix it, and it usually involves some zeros. This episode is brought to you by Five Star Painting. A neighborly company, Five Star Painting, is looking for new owners to join their growing company. Could this be the perfect opportunity for you? Are you driven? Do you have the heartbeat of an entrepreneur? If you are interested in running your own business, text FIVE STAR, all caps, to 87000 right now to learn more. With Five Star Painting, you'll be your own boss, pick your own territory, set your own hours, and live a better quality of life running a business that you can be proud of. You'll have access to the best resources to help you scale your landscape business to meet your personal and professional goals, and you will go home every day with the satisfaction of helping your customers enhance and maintain the beauty of their homes. As a Five Star Painting owner, you are also part of the greater neighborly community of home service brands. Neighborly. The has empowered more than 3,700 entrepreneurs to achieve their dreams and goals through local business ownership. No one knows the home service industry better than Neighborly. Every year, nearly 1 million customers are proudly served by one of Neighborly's 22 award-winning brands, some of which include Mosquito Joe, Molly Maid, Glass Doctor, and Mr. Rooter. Um, my 9 to 5, guys, I, I do own my own business. Um, obviously, there's difficulties that do come with it, but there is a lot of flexibility that you get you know, from being your own boss and hire the right people, guys, people that you can trust. 
whether you've been thinking about starting your own business or you've already running your own painting company, text 5STAR 287000, all caps on 5STAR, to learn more about how a 5STAR painting franchise can help you get where you want to go faster than going it alone. Again, text all caps 5STAR 287000 to learn more about the neighborly brands that may be available in your area. And we thank 5STAR for sponsoring Locked on Browns. First question we have here, Pete, um, and this, these ones come a lot, uh, at underscore Luckbuck. Um, to say if Nick Chubb were just the feature back of the Cleveland Browns, and he wanted to compare it you know, somewhat to what Kareem Hunt's you know, one year as a feature back for the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, Kareem went for about 1,800 yards. I'm not sure Nick would match the receiving total, but 1,800 total yards. You figure Nick was a starter for nine games, uh, you know, obviously, you know, about you know, almost a thousand yards, I believe, it was over two hundred yards receiving. Yeah, I think in sixteen games, Nick Chubb is a guy that's capable of eighteen hundred total yards. Is he capable? Sure. Um, is it is likely? It his best interest. <laughs> it's it's you know it's it's different when you're going from you know a whole sixteen game season. You know, you, you get into November, December games, and you're banged up. It's not easy. To, to keep pounding out a ton of yardage. I mean, that's that's uh, that's what makes you know two thousand yard seasons so impressive, is it, it because it is such a physical toll uh, that, that's taken on you. I mean, I, I don't think there's any question that Nick Chubb has the ability to be an absolute stud in terms of numbers and everything else. It's just a question of you know, does that make you a better football team? Maybe in the very, very short term, but I, I don't think that's going to help you uh, if you're trying to make a, you know, make a run in the playoffs. I mean, I think if you, you know, let's say he, he runs for, he gets 1,800 total yards. I mean, what does he have left at that point for the playoffs? And, you know, that's why so many teams are going away from that, that style and going with more, multiple backs to try to ease the load and, and make sure they've got a strong core uh, going to the playoffs so that you're, you're just as explosive because so many teams that uh, have had feature backs tend to run out of gas uh, when they get in the playoffs. I mean, certainly if, they, if they've got, you know, a, a stud quarterback and a stud tailback and, and can do a little bit of both, that makes a big difference. But in general, you know, like Chris Johnson, when he was with the, t- the Titans and stuff like that, those teams tend to, uh, great, great season, uh, all that success, and they get to the playoffs, and it's like, you know, 60 yards and, and, a, and a quick exit from the playoffs type thing. It, you, you know, you want – I get it from the standpoint of the whole – you'd like to see, you know, said player put up massive numbers, uh, you know, for the, the sake of posterity there, but realistically – you know, if, if you get like 1,400 yards out of Chubb and he's fresh for the playoffs and ready to make a, a, a big push in that standpoint, that's that's ultimately what, what's important. I mean, look no further than Sonny Michelle. He didn't have a massive statistical year for the Patriots, but he got the one statistic anyone's interested in, which is he's got a Super Bowl ring. Um, so, yes, Nick Chubb is absolutely capable. It's just not terribly re- smart or realistic. I mean, that's the other thing. I mean, you know, do, you don't want to, you know, basically, you know, 
show up, you know, equated to a car. You know, you don't want to be leaking trans fluid. You don't want the motor running too overheating. You want to be able to get yourself to the best position to get to the playoffs. And it's not, you just don't want to go. You want to do some damage. You want to be there. And look, Sony Michelle, the way it was worked in New England, obviously James White and Burkhead, um, you know, all all these you know guys had some in. But Sony Michelle was key. And what it, why was it was because it was there was a way where you balance the workload. And Sony Michelle had a hell of a playoff run. But you know, I did give Pete his kudos last night. One thing from camp today, Pete. Um, one of the concerns with Greedy Williams. Look, and guys, uh, you know. There's going to be up and downs, especially with a rookie cornerback in a camp. And everybody, oh, well, he got beat, you know, by Rashard Higgins. You know, Rashard Higgins runs really good routes, so he got beat on a sluggo. But there was an opportunity where it was third and four, and it was a team period, and it was completely live. Nick Chubb, you know, caught a swing. Greedy Williams, uh, Nick Chubb, pretty thick dude. Greedy Williams made the play, and this was one concern that some people had. And you guys remember when Daniel Jeremiah came on and did the, you know, the post-draft wrap, and it was a little bit later because Daniel had some things going on at the time, obviously. But you know, you needed to show that you understand that now. This is you're getting paid to do this. A scholarship's one thing; you're getting paid. So, but this that's this is more important than Rashard Higgins beating him, you know, on a really well-run sluggo slant and go. If you guys didn't know what sluggo is. That's really important. You got to get your nose dirty here, son. If we're paying you, um, corners get beat. I mean, that's that's especially that's, nowadays. <laughs> yeah, one, you're a rookie, and two, you're you know you're going to get beat. The, you know, you don't have guys to take away half the field. Um, guys are going to give up plays. I mean, that is the nature of the beast on defense. You are you are playing a sport or a side of the ball you are designed to lose. I mean, you're trying to fight as much as you can in losing, but ultimately you are losing. Um, so I, 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 you know, that happens, you know, if, if that's a technique thing, if that's a, you know, a blip, that's fine. I mean, you want a guy to trust his technique. You want a guy to stay with, but it's going to happen. He's going to get beat. Denzel Ward, you know, has gotten beat by Odell Beckham. That's fine. Um, certainly, uh, you know, pads are on, and, and you want to see Greedy Williams get guys on the ground. And, and you know, all these people who, who talked about, you know, tackling doesn't matter, all this shit about corners. You know who cares about tackling? Freddie Kitchens. He cares quite a bit, and he said it's it's an important part of, of what they want to do on this defense. And Steve Wilkes has said it's an important part of what they want to do on defense. And, and Steve Wilkes has gone as far as saying that their coverage will be dictated by how well their corners can tackle. So John Dorsey can say, you know, you pay corners to cover, and he's right, uh, but your defense only functions if they can tackle. Uh, so these are things that Greedy Williams is going to have to prove, and he's going to have to prove consistently, and it can't just be throw your body in the way and hope you get lucky. It's got to be learning how to tackle. It's got to be being technically sound, and if for no other reason, you've got the ultimate example from last year, and Denzel Ward, when he didn't trust his technique uh, and and tackle with good form, he ultimately ended up with, uh, you know, a, a concussion, uh, a pair of concussions, and, and that scary head in the preseason. Uh, so these are important, and it's it's good to see that you know that he made that play. Uh, but he's going to have multiple tests, and the preseasons are going to be tests, and. Even the, even during the season, it's going to be a question mark that he has to answer in the same way that Denzel Ward had answered by the size. This is going to be an ever-present pre- question. Now, I, I go back and I look at his uh, tackling 
uh, from his uh, freshman year at LSU, and his tackle market share is excellent. I mean, he's all, all where you want him to be, and I think uh, I, I would not put it past him as a sophomore to be a little more cognizant of the fact that you know I got to I'm just trying to get out to declare for the NFL draft and get my money type thing. You know, that's enters in the back of your mind on some level. Uh, but now that he's here, it's, he's got to get back to being a good tackler and getting getting people on the ground and doing consistently. It, look, I mean, you know, when everybody, you know, oh, premium cover corners, look, you got to tackle. And even if you're a corner, it may be two to three times a month where you truly got to take on a, a running back. But you got to show you can do it because you're taking, and most of the times it, you're already taking what's going to be a five-yard run. He gets by you. You're talking 20, 25, or taking it to the house. So it's you know, it, it, as much as a safety, ten yards off the ball, you know, eight to ten yards off the ball. It's you're almost the last line of defense before that is a big play, or it's six. So you got to do it. And so it's good to see greedy with. You, you can't get on these corners. I mean. The you know the top four wide receivers on this roster, these guys know how to run routes, and some of them are really juiced up in the speed department. So you you know those things are going to happen, and it's good because you know you're going to score some points here. Uh, we got some more listener questions to get to, which you are in a second. Um, Pete, uh, our buddy Math Bob, uh, Kent, Kent Platty, you know as far as you know you know uh, metrics and all the stuff and putting the numbers together. And this is one thing you guys, you, you guys, two years in a row now, you guys have gotten on this about, you know, the combine and, you know, why speed matters. The wide receiver position, since 1987, Pete, there have been 19 wide receivers who ran a 4-6 or slower to have a 1,000-yard season. Yes, Jarvis Landry is one of them, but guys, this is why. And there's only been four in the last decade. So this is just something when we talk about this, and me and Pete emphasize something from the combine where that speed don't play on Sunday. This is kind of what we mean. Four guys in the last decade, 19 since 1987. And keep in mind, you know, athletes are just more freakish now in general. So I just thought that was a really, really interesting from, from uh, you know thing from our buddy Kent. Look, I mean, you have defensive ends that go as fast as receivers do. Um, or at least be, used to. I mean, everybody's gotten faster at every position. Right. So, you know, th- this is... This There's is a the reason stuff. Kelvin Benjamin right now is sitting on a couch, probably eating some Popeyes or you know, Domino's or whatever fast food of the door, du jour today is. you got to be able to bring it, and you got to be able to move to play this game. Right. Well, I mean, some of the same people who will tell you that this stuff doesn't matter will immediately fall in love when a guy runs a four two at the, at the combine or whatever, and tell you, ding, you know, ding, tell ding. you the Browns should draft said player in the first round. I mean, you you get both ends of it. And look, I think it all matters. You look, I I tell you straight up, perfect world. I'd like athletic, productive players uh, that that don't make stupid decisions off the field. Uh, and then I'll get responses that be like, you know, this is as simple as it gets. Of course you should do this. Well, you know, why don't they? You know, this is one of those things where you have the – you can add as many of those as you want, and there's always guys left over, and yet here we are. And, and granted, there are always exceptions, and, and it just 
betting on the numbers, I'll take the the speedy productive guys over the the slower or the unproductive burners that you hope work out. I mean, I look at today, uh, Jordan Lastly gets cut, uh, who was a burner at UCLA who didn't produce and was a jackass off the field, and he was a jackass on and off the field for the Ravens, so they 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 cut him. Um, that's sort of the, the how, how you your attitude as far as evaluation. And, and for me, I'm trying to, I'm trying not to bet on outliers. Uh, that's how I operate, but you know, that there are guys that can make it work, but you, you know, people are sitting there going, look at Odell, Be- Odell Beckham. He's fast. He's productive. He does all those things and he's great. Um, the, you don't get a lot of guys who are great, who don't have all those things. Uh, Michael Jenkins, or uh, not Michael Jenkins, Michael, uh, Mike Thomas, who got 61 million feed, same thing. And, and people like to pretend he wasn't productive at Ohio State. He was really productive at Ohio State his final year uh, in terms of market share, and he had all the speed and all those elements there. So, you know, there's a reason that these things matter. Uh, yeah, there's no doubt about it. And look, Mike, Mike, Michael Thomas, congratulations, can hell up 61 million guaranteed as a wide receiver in this league and don't think every wide receiver right now is talking to their agents going hey what's going on but you know this is what we try to talk about and for jordan lastly um best thing for him find a way to hopefully get to the miami dolphins because uh, him and josh rosen had some nice chemistry it'd be nice if josh rosen now in his second city you know in essentially 12 months you know I, well i mean with three cities in 24 months for god's sakes Get him something he's familiar with because those two things could get it done. Those two guys could get it done together if Jordan just can't get his act together. You know, that's obviously it's certainly possible, but maybe somehow, some way with having a little more success on the field. Maybe if I was, if I was a team that was looking to take a flyer on a kid like Lashley because he is very athletic, it is uh, the Saints because they, well, that's you know, obviously they have Mike Thomas, who's obviously a stud, but. You know, and they've got some interesting guys. The one dude I liked coming out, I, whose name I can't think of right now, he's a smaller UCF, Traquan Smith, or no? Yes, yes, yes. yes. I like him quite a bit. But, that, you know, they don't have a lot of proven commodities down there, and, and, and that might be a situation where a guy like Lashley can catch on, maybe make a splash, and, and, and you know, become, you know, a fourth or fifth receiver for Drew Brees. And if you're, you know, it's like Bigger Mayfield, you get open, uh, he's going to find you with the ball. But, you know, so much of this for him is going to be. Uh, first and foremost, grow up. Uh, you're a professional. You got to act like it. Otherwise, you're not going to be in this league very long. So, hopefully, uh, message sent and received. Uh, so, if he does get another opportunity, he can get in there and make the most of it. Yeah, it's you know, it's getting late. It's getting early. So, uh, you know, and you want to make some money in this league. Only way to do it is uh, get yourself toe in the line. Um, listener questions here in a second. iTunes rating reviews. Subscribe. Written review. Drop a rating for Pete. Ways to help him out. Uh, at Browns Maven on Twitter. Follow over there. Uh, BrownsMaven.com. Set up. Become a member. You can follow all the work Pete's doing over there. You know uh, the videos. Obviously, there'll be more written content. Pete's going to be able to take this any way he wants. And obviously, there is going to be tons and tons to report on. So that's just a quick way to help us out, guys. Um, you know, we're here every day trying to give the best we can for you. Simple stuff for us. Doesn't cost anybody a dime. Always appreciated. We got some more, and look, I always appreciate this. Somebody brings a question, Pete, that's a little bit off the cuff that nobody's talking about. 
the punter competition. Uh, obviously, no, the Scottish Hammer can blast the ball. Is it going to be more, maybe it's just cold quit because you know what you have, and you maybe don't want to gamble with young kickers and young punters. The punting competition. Yeah, so uh, right now it's not close. It's Britain Colquitt by a mile, and, and a lot of this comes down to he knows how to do the little things. Uh, he can, you know, it's there's no question that if you, you know, one of the things that people have said about, of all things, Ash Hammer is talking about his quads uh, and how big his quads are. The sound he, of the ball, Pete, the sound of it. <laughs> I mean, he is, he's got tremendous leg, but he doesn't, you know, Britton Colquitt's been doing this for years and years and years, and he's really good at it. Um, you know, I think Colquitt, or not Colquitt, I, I think uh, that uh, Gillian could be a guy that ends up on the practice squad and, and just does nothing but really learn how to do the, the job. And that's, you know, being able to put the ball on the spot, whether that if they're going to do that coffin corner thing with him, he gets good at that. He's got to learn how to hold. He's got to do all those little things. Um, that, that make you effective. Britton Colquitt is a really good punter. It's not like they brought this Gillian guy in and he's competing against you know an average, uh, average or mediocre punter. He's competing against one that's really good and and probably benefiting quite a bit as a result. But at least for the moment, uh, it's a question of being uh, and ultimately uh, a free agent. So that becomes where where it gets interesting. Uh, and for me, guys, if I'm keeping Colquitt, I'm you know where I go with this. I'm not, if I'm not wasting a draft pick on a specialist, I'm wasting a spot on a specialist. So that's where I stand. Yeah, um, for me, in, you know, with the specialists, we know what Colquitt can do. I don't want to punt money. So uh, let's keep Mr. Colquitt around. At uh, M62 Matthew. Um, and Matt, this is the first time you sent me a question, so we will cover it. But yeah, we have talked about this a little bit. Um, DeVal suffering another injury, concussion setback. Do you think this is the end of the line? Um, probably, we, we've kind of thought it was going to be a really tough road for Seth DeVal to navigate here anyway. Because basically what Seth DeVal is, Pete, he's kind of, if something were to happen to Dinojoku, he brings you some nice things in the receiving game. Um, now with another concussion, are you really going to want to play him on special teams? Um, his blocking was okay. Um, is it better to just go with David Harris and a guy who comes with a resume of being a solid blocker? You're better now and deeper in the secondary. You've got some young linebackers. You signed a linebacker with a special teams pedigree. It's, it's set the valve. It's it, the musical chairs game is just getting worse and worse for him. Um, well, I am not scared off this concussion. Uh, again, if, if there's a great SB Nation uh, article talking about racing for the horse and saying that concussions and all this are, are the worst thing ever, and, and that football is, is essentially a death sentence. That's you know, the more they do on this, the less that's true. If you take the time, appropriate amount of time to recover from a concussion, you're going to be fine. Is is increasingly the the medical science. So is if. So long as they, you know, they take the precaution, and this is what keeps happening, is these guys come back and they're fine. So in that standpoint, I don't care if it's – I mean, don't get me wrong. I, it's not like I'm happy to have anyone with a braised, bruised brain or anything. But in so much of that, it's like twisting an ankle or anything else. It's just a matter of time and proper recovery. 
Um, my big thing with Seth Evolve is I think he can be that uh, split-out guy, but I'm hoping, and I, and I think they've been rotating him in this, is getting him to see if he can compete uh, as a fullback in addition to those other things he can do. He can be a, a wing. He can be a space tight end. He can do all those things. But the biggest thing for Seth Evolve is there's nothing behind him. Like, Steven Carlson is interesting. He's, you know, the other Princeton guy who's trying to develop uh, and go from receiver to tight end the same way Devolve did. But I never hear his name. Um, and the only time I hear Farrell Brown's name is when he's involved in a fight. Uh, so, again, it, it's not, you know, this, this there are so many situations where you'd go, well, clearly this is going to be it. That he that he that he's just not going to be able to compete. But the problem is, there's nobody that's going to naturally fill in to take those reps. And maybe one of those guys steps up. Maybe they bring in somebody else. But unless Devolve decides, you know, I'm not I'm not messing with this anymore, uh, then I don't see any uh, urgency to move on. It's you know, it's July 31st. You know, he takes a, a week week and a half or so uh, to recover, uh, get back out there and compete. I mean, that's. That's if you're smart. That's that. That's what it takes. I mean, if, if, don't get me wrong. If he if he still got symptoms, you got to keep him out longer. But you, you basically let him recover. And unless there's some reason to move on, uh, and there's some better option, then there's no urgency to me. That's been the issue. There, you need somebody else to step in and be good enough to beat him out for that spot. And I think the one maybe advantage he does have is. There's no trade value because I mean everybody kind of sees it, so it's it's either a stick with him or just move on, and he could shine. And you know, I mean, you know, I'm not sure. You know, you you know, I think David gets as many training camp reps as Baker gets. Uh, there's no reason for David Najoku to be running routes for Gilbert, Stanton, anybody else. So if Seth can get himself out there for those games and prove, you know, he can do it in that role, it, it's going to be interesting. I I don't know, but I, I'm i not sure there's a special team's need for him here anymore. So Seth is definitely a mixed, mixed bag right now. If the Browns have an injury to a key piece on either side of the ball, can they get by with games like they had against Carolina, Denver, and Baltimore where one side didn't necessarily have to be the saving grace, where the other one, and obviously, you know, Denver, it was the defense. You know, Carolina, the offense. I'm not really sure which Baltimore game he's going with. But I, I think they're constructed well enough. I I would definitely say I think they're more constructed well enough on the offense where if somebody, you know, on the defensive line had to miss a week or two, the offense, look, we got this. We're, we're certainly capable of putting up 30. Right. Um, yeah. If if a guy's missing a game, uh, they'll be fine as, as long as his name isn't Baker Mayfield. Um, <laughs> that, that, that's the only one, well, and maybe even Miles Garrett. But even still, but yeah, th- that would be <laughs> exempt. Uh, we don't practice eft. That's you know why Baker makes takes as many reps as he does. So I mean, if you're saying you're going to get by for a week or two, you're fine. It's it's if it's going to be an extended injury. You know, if a guy like uh, Chris Hubbard goes down for the year, that's, you know, I, I assume Kendall Lamb would step in, but that that's not ideal. And those things add up pretty quickly. Uh, if a guy like 
Uh, if it, if it's Larry Ogunjobi or, or Sheldon Richardson, that is a bad deal right now. Um, Demarius Randall goes down for a while. That would be bad. Uh, they 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 can get by for a week or few, but they can't get by a season without some of these guys unless some some guys are really going to step up uh, in their absence. But uh, you know the Browns have a lot more talent than they had, but the problem is. So much of that talent is concentrated in a few players. So, like, Baker Mayfield, Miles Garrett, Olivier Vernon, uh, Odell Beckham, you know, Joel Batonio, those are, you know, star-quality players, and I'm sure I'm forgetting somebody. Uh, but, you know, they don't have the – it's not spread out where, like, a team like the Patriots, for example, part of the reason they're so good is because they have some some great, great players. Obviously, Tom Brady, Stephon Gilmore, those are phenomenal players – but outside of a few, they are pretty well balanced across the board where if a guy misses, a few, uh, you know, even if a guy goes down for the season, obviously they did this. You know, their rookie left tackle goes down the year for the year and they win the Super Bowl. They are balanced enough to do that. The Browns are very susceptible at a few spots, and they're not the only team obviously like that. The Kansas City Chiefs, they are another team. Travis Kelsey goes down for a while. If uh, Chris Jones goes down for a while, they're another team where a lot of their talent is super concentrated in a few very, very good players. Uh, But that that is where the Browns are. So they have to get lucky in terms of being able to stay healthy. They have to be smart in terms of not being stupid. And they have to they can't afford long, lengthy guy injuries being out, especially not to key players. And that's one of the advantages they have where, you know, obviously, you know, most of this, I mean, you're not really talking about anyone where it's north of 30 that you're really, really relying on. And obviously that certainly helps in this aspect. And, you know, it, it's weird to even say that it's funny to even say, Pete, that there's guys that are, you know, as you list them and you could maybe put Odell at five or six. You know what these other three can do, you know. Uh, so it's you know you could survive a game with that Odell, and you think the maturation of Baker, and if it was maybe week ten or eleven, and now you're adding Kareem to the mix, it's it, it's crazy. It's it's a certainly a fantastic job that's been put to, put together, where there is dudes at every position, or at least a lead dude. Um, but yeah, safety. I think for me that would probably be the keyest one because you know you know what. Uh, you know, Randall had done back there last year. Uh, Pete, this is the time of the show. League-wise, Browns-wise, anything you need to interject here with, Pete? Uh, I don't think so. I think we got to most of it just sort of... Here's one I do want to bring up. If Ezekiel Elliott doesn't get his deal soon, is he going to show up like August 20th and we're going to have some concerns about whether or not Ezekiel Elliott's weighing 250? Uh... I would say no, only because it's it, it, it in this case as opposed to like last year. Um, there's too much that weighs on it financially for him. Um, you know, if, if he's trying okay, to okay, but let's go this way. Who caves first, Ezekiel Elliott or Melvin Gordon? Melvin Gordon. I think I think Ezekiel Elliott knows who he's catering to. Um, he's going there's... to Le'Veon. He's going to, but he's also going to Le'Veon Bell route. Somebody is going to give me my money. It may not be you, Melvin Gordon. It's a different story, right? I, I think that's part of it. I also think, but I, again, I think Ezekiel knows who he's dealing with, and Jerry Jones can't help himself. I don't think Jerry, Jerry Jones can talk tough, but I don't think he's going to 
stick with it. I think he's ultimately going to pay all those guys, screw his team's financial situation over, and they're not going to win dick. Whereas the Chargers can easily march on without Melvin Gordon for a while anyway. Uh, you know, if, 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 if Melvin Gordon was out, let's say, six games, I don't think the Chargers are going to be, you know, so badly it's not off. Gonna, it's not going to lead to two and four. No. So, I mean, I think that's the problem is I think Melvin Gordon's going to ultimately uh, have to be the, the guy that caves because he does as much as he wants to get his deal. I think he will get more money. I just don't think he will get what he wants. And I think the issue for him is uh, I don't think he wants to miss out on the season. And I don't think he want, he he's going to give up the money to do that. And I don't, and I, and, and honestly, I don't think that, the money is there for him if he even gets on the open market the way it would be for Elliott. Well, I think Melvin Go- Melvin Gordon could become a lot more easily forgotten than Ezekiel Elliott's going to. And that's where Melvin Gordon is in the tough spot. And look, I mean, it sucks for him. We've talked about this, the running back position. It's it's a shame what's happening to these guys. But look, you, you can't change it. You can't control it. And, you know, they, they always think the way we game plan it, the way it's blocked, and the, the threats that are around it. And it sucks. It really sucks for these guys. And it, it's, there's just no other way around it. It's just a terrible position for these guys. And in what is the most dangerous position on the field. But that is also part of what it factors in the fact why it's disrespected the way it is. Pete, Browns, Maven, what's in the hopper? Uh, so I just, before we uh, got taping, I released uh, my my help, my advice, my sincere uh, effort to make the Bengals better, which is essentially tear it down, um, you know, to get get out of it, including one move I don't think Mike Brown is ready to make, which is eating Carlos Dunlap's money and trading him, which would be smart, but I don't think they'll do it. But they've got to uh, – they've got to – They need to find a way to be one or two in this draft and have their pick of the quarterback they want for Zach Taylor. Or they could well, have just drafted Dwayne Haskins, but whatever. That's – yeah, that's that's part of it is I think if they go ahead and embrace the tank, it makes it easy to walk away from Andy Dalton and it helps them get to a position where they need to be anyway, which is not winning pride games at the end of the year. They need to be bad. They need to get as many draft picks as they can for what they have, uh, open up the salary cap, and just not pretend that Zach Taylor is in it to win it this year because he's not. They're, they're a fourth-place team. And that you know they, they they needed everything to go right for them to be competitive, and everything has gone right. They lost Jonah Williams, Clint Bowling retired, and AJ Green had surgery. Um, it's 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 over. Uh, so it's time to move on from that older generation. It was over, it was over before this, but yeah, now yeah, it's I mean, really over. <laughs> Dalton, Dalton, Atkins, uh, Dunlap, and, and and Green are those four guys from that you know that 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 one run that set of runs they had and it, they're not going to win anything there's too much of a, a talent gap there and they need to embrace what they have and 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 go ahead and try to get what they can out of it and and see if they can tear down and, and zach taylor can build them back up i was a guest on the whole nine pod before we started recording tonight and uh, one of the questions or you know it came my way pete who is the actual who's the <laughs> who's the best player on the cincinnati Bengals? And he's what ten years in the league now, almost. And it's not a disrespect to Geno Atkins, but you know, that's your best player. No, he, 
He's 31. I mean, that's and that's the problem is they, they've got an opt out after this year. They should take it because it's two more years of 32 and 33 and they're not going to win shit with him uh, with with him in that mix. I mean, if you take that older generation of group get guys out of it, it's either uh, the tailback or uh, or. Um, so Joe Mixon behind a laughably maybe your best player behind a laughably bad offensive line. So, yeah, I mean, it's. It's him, it's Tyler Boyd, and it's Jesse Bates. And those corners are quite good, too. Uh, but William Jackson the third is very good. So with those in mind, I would say Tyler Boyd and William Jackson the third are their best players in that next tier. I, I agree. And the other thing is maybe let Zach Taylor f- learn how to be a head coach this year while losing badly. And look, Zach Taylor, you're probably good, dude. <laughs> you probably got a decade. <laughs> Easily, you got a decade as head coach of that team, so that's where the Bengals are at. Um, for all the peace stuff, uh, make sure, uh, like I had said earlier, uh, at Browns Maven on Twitter. Make sure you're following over there. BrownsMaven.com. Set up, be a member, interact within the story. I'm sorry, within the you know the features, the articles. There's a forum there. Straight Brown stuff. You're interacting with Browns fans. Uh, at underscore Pete Smith underscore. Make sure you're following over there. Uh, the show itself at Locked On Browns, all lowercase. Uh, follow back account. Uh, those are growing. Uh, DMs are always open. Anything you have, you want something, put it in the show. Um, and I'm even to the point now where I'm, try, you know, finding a way to have these translated so I can at least get the questions. But uh, the support and obviously the way the numbers are going here right now, we're all just geeked about the fact that football is back. Everybody's geeked about this 19 season, obviously one of maybe the most promised since the, since the return. Me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd, uh, closing in on 9,000 followers. Uh, I live with three women who don't care for a word I say, so to have 9,000 people actually care for it, that's pretty cool. Um, so make sure you're following over there. DM's open there as well. Um, it's... Each day just gets a little bit more. And look, tomorrow, you know, tomorrow, obviously, a little football. And then that's it. It's football here on out until end of February, people. We are here. Who cares? You know, for me, what I said, get me to the 4th of July. After that, I don't care about summer. Um, So just let's just enjoy the ride. Uh, Obviously, you know, camp still going on. Obviously, Friday night with the scrimmage. Uh, You know, looking forward to that. And uh, I do believe there'll be a live stream for everybody who cannot make it in attendance. So, gonna be fun to check that out and you know it'd be nice if everybody's gonna be there but you know the injuries are mounting up a little bit but nothing serious this is normal stuff it's really hard to take the you know february to july route off and then amp up football stuff you know it it takes a toll it's just the way it goes and you'd rather have everybody for september as opposed to having everybody for a scrimmage in august uh ben your daily delivery of all things dog pound ben there done that lgb on the lob let's go browns